I wonder what would come to mind if I said the words coffeehouse music to you. the kind of music that goes with images of sophisticated urban types savouring expertly brewed coffee in pleasant surroundings. But maybe not music like this. suggests the state entry of some grand regal personage into somewhere suitably palatial, imposing architecture, opulent furnishings, courtiers outdoing each other in expressions of deference. But unlike the jazz we heard a moment or two ago, that music was written for a coffee house, or at the very least that was where it was first heard. That's the beginning of Bach's orchestral suite number four in D major, which was probably composed, or at the very least reworked, around 1730 to 31. Bach was now in his mid-forties and was well established as a composer, director, teacher, and all the functions that were subsumed under the title of cantor of the central, very fashionable church of St. Thomas, Leipzig. Since his appointment in 1723, Bach's time had been very much taken up with church music. But now, at the beginning of the 1730s, he was branching out to the annoyance of some of the officials at St. Thomas's. In 1729, Bach took up a position as director of the Collegium Musicum, and it was an indication of Bach's prestige by this time that it was immediately renamed the Bachische Collegium Musicum, the Collegium Musicum of Bach. This was a society for the performance of music for large instrumental ensembles, on the cusp of becoming orchestras in the modern sense, you might say. A big boost for the society came when it was offered a performance platform in Leipzig's grandest and most glamorous coffee house. Commercially speaking, this was in a superb location in the Katharinenstrasse at the heart of Leipzig's central retail arena. But there was also plenty of room for a big orchestra, and it could comfortably sit an audience, if that's what you call them, of 150. Since 
Zimmerman's coffee house was in a splendid building. Alas, it was destroyed in World War II, with comfortable seats, a lot more comfortable than a church, and, of course, refreshments. This was a mixed society. Women were allowed in German coffee houses, unlike the English ones at the same time. Also, for the rising bourgeoisie and German bürgerlich society was very much on the rise in Leipzig at the time, it was an opportunity to emulate the old French courtly practice of musique de la table, hearing fine music in gorgeous surroundings with sensuous pleasures, food, drink and whatever, very much catered for. Nothing delighted the typical 18th century bourgeois more than to pretend that he was a guest at the Palace of Versailles. Not surprisingly, the four orchestral suites Bach provided for Zimmermann's coffee house were based on French models. They're all basically a set of courtly dances, each with an imposing three-part overture. The ground plan of Bach's suite is one which the French court composer Lully would certainly have recognised, at least in its outlines, even if the musical riches Bach invests in this plan might have astonished him. So the grand tone of the opening of the fourth suite, or overture as it's sometimes known, with three trumpets and drums, that suggestion of the sumptuous processional is all rather apt. Thank you. 
but Bayer can't help playing with the lines. After the repeat, the top line goes like this. The second violin supports that. Very quickly, it starts to take on melodic ambitions of its own. If I play that very slowly, you might get some idea how the lines cross over in the second bar. Or if not, you'll at least get the impression that this is no simple tune and accompaniment. This sort of thing soon gets even more complicated. Try following the melody, the top line, in this passage, and you'll soon see what I mean. Now Bach is taking risks here, especially with his audience's attempt to grasp an idea at first hearing. There had been grumblings about this sort of thing from several in his St. Thomas's congregation. Reminds me a bit of Bertie Wooster putting down his famously intelligent manservant, two ingenious Jeeves. More recently, the conductor Thomas Beecham dismissed Bach with the line, too much counterpoint, and what's worse, Protestant counterpoint. Clearly, there were quite a few German Bertie Woosters and Tommy Beechams in Bach's time. It is equally clear they were huge admirers too, and Gottfried Zimmermann, the proprietor of the coffee house, saw the attractiveness of Bach's name on his billboards. Zimmermann didn't charge for hearing the music. The increased revenue from food and drink sales was enough, which surely is very telling. And it was observed several times that this new bourgeois audience prided itself on being able to appreciate clever music, a bit like some visitors to Tate Modern today, perhaps. And who better than Bach to achieve this, the composer who made the most complicated musical forms almost as direct as though they were easy listening. Back at the coffee house, Bach gave this audience exactly what he wanted. You can see this not only in his ability to create musical equivalents of 3D chess, but also in the attention span that he demanded of his audiences. The first movement of this suite or overture, which confusingly is itself called overture, is way beyond anything Lully would have conceived in length or complexity. The fast essential section, true to its dance prototype, is in the quick triple rhythmic pattern of the jig, though with his love of counterpoint, Bach also makes it the basis of an athletic fugue. Sets a team of soloists against the Ripieno Orchestra. 
The master of this kind of music was the Italian violinist and composer Arcangelo Corelli. He hadn't quite invented the idea, but he certainly showed everyone else its potential. A kind of drama in music with groups of protagonists taking each other on from all corners of the stage. going on in Zimmerman's coffee house and the banter between his own orchestral groups. Here, the spotlight falls squarely on his solo group of oboes and bassoon. Auvergne. 
And when you hear how one of Bach's contemporaries describes a bourree, you can appreciate how the coffee King Zimmerman might have fancied its mood for his musical nights. Its distinguishing feature resides in contentment and pleasant demeanour, writes Johann Mattheson. At the same time, it is somewhat carefree and relaxed, a little indolent and easygoing, though not disagreeable. <laughs> classical minuet, Bach alternates this main dance with a contrasting central trio section. In this case, it really is a trio of comically melancholic oboes, supported by a slightly dyspeptic bassoon. similar ways of catching the ear in some of the other dance movements, the gavotte for instance. Now this is an interesting dance rhythmically because it sounds when you first hear it as though it's in a straight one, two, three, four, but actually the beats are displaced so that it goes three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, except that Bach will keep tying the beats across the bar so that the melody never actually sits down on the first beat, that decisive first beat. It's a kind of big syncopation that stops you from knowing exactly where you are in the music. Réjouissance as joy, gaiety. It occurs in overtures as certain cheerful pieces are so entitled. It's in three time, 
But here it begins spectacularly off the beat and is launched forward splendidly at the top by trumpets and timpani. lively ear-catching foot-tapping stuff enough to recapture the audience's attention if their minds have been wandering yet bach also seems to be acknowledging that the new bourgeois audience is capable of taking in a little more than some of their royal forebears there's a lovely moment of darker minor key shading just before the exuberant dance coda is this a moment for reflection that this new middle-class connoisseur audience emerging in emporia like Zimmermann's was encouraging composers to try out ideas in orchestral concerts that were previously only possible in serious church music or opera. Here, of course, there were no words, no action, just an apparently self-sufficient musical drama. So the next time you sit in a modern concert hall following the intense involved argument of a Mahler or Shostakovich symphony, Remember that your ancestors, the audiences who started all this sort of thing, probably did so with the 18th century equivalent of a mochaccino in hand. Mm -hmm. 